Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, Sex in Marriage. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Well, if we can get Rich and Tina and Jamie to come up here, we're going to get started. And y'all can write suggestions on things like that down on these pieces of paper. Before, before we get started on our discussion on group sex, I'm not sure what this group sex means. <laughs> Isn't that what's in your outline? Is this on tape? You know, it, it's interesting that that um, I, I feel in my heart that there 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 may be uh, one person or or, who, or how many here that for some reason felt that their circumstance wasn't covered. You know, in this, uh, to us who, who are sharing and, and to the majority who, who are listening, uh, there's obviously something that really hits home, you know, the hammer. But I know I've been in situations where I've been so self-centered, so tied into my own problem, I said, well, they really didn't talk about my problem. And I just want us to, to share this. Uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Because I just feel we need to share this thought get our faith build up on this point this 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 verse was very very helpful when I was going through all my uh, junk that I was sharing with you but 1st Corinthians 10 13 to, to those of us who still feel well we didn't talk about my husband who goes out and kills the cats and at midnight and brings them in and, and puts them in the closet well you didn't talk about that <laughs> Andrew you didn't talk about that Sorry. <laughs> okay but seriously, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Listen to that again. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And it continues on, But with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may endure it. Love endures all things. Regardless of what your circumstance, true, we may have not hit on it exactly, we may not know about it, but God does. And He's the one that needs to. And He's the one will, that will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Praise the Lord. Also, I'd like to add that we may not have hit the specifics of what your problem is, but we have hit some um, subjects that if you took them and applied them to your life, it would affect, it would affect your husband killing the cats and putting them in the closet. Uh, you'd be able to deal with the bitterness, the unforgiveness. Uh, you'd be able to operate in unconditional love. And so uh, the principles we've talked about, I guarantee you, will touch any problem that you've got. And that's one reason that we did it the way we did. We tried to hit basics that will affect all of marriage rather than just hone in on one specific technique or something of how to communicate, etc., that uh, may not have applied to everybody. Uh, we're going to discuss here for the next uh, 45 minutes some things about the sexual relationship in marriage. It wouldn't be a complete marriage seminar if we didn't deal with that because that is an important part of marriage. And we, you know, could make this hours and hours long and I apologize that we're just short of time. We probably aren't going to cover everybody's questions here. But we do want to say that the Bible has a tremendous amount to say about the sexual relationship in marriage. If you want to read a book on sex, I guarantee you the Bible will give you a liberal education. There's a lot of information there 
And uh, we aren't going to have time to teach maybe chapter and verse and explain these things, but hopefully everything we say will be based on Scripture. For one thing, uh, this physical relationship is something that God instituted in Adam and Eve in a sinless state. It is not a part of sin. It is not a part of the fallen nature. It is a holy establishment. It is a godly thing. God created it. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, I believe it is, it says, Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. There is nothing ungodly about sex. And it's a shame that the Christian realm has gotten to a place that when you start talking about that, people get embarrassed. This is something that we don't talk about. The church doesn't really minister on this properly. Uh, Christians are afraid to talk about it. Many of you, if you would be honest, are just uh, nearly petrified trying to teach your children the facts of life and teach them about these kind of things. It's an awkward civil, uh, situation. Our society today has put this off in a corner somewhere as something that we really don't just discuss in depth, and it has done tremendous amount of damage. It's an area of our lives that many people have not brought God into. There's some of you that, uh, I mean, it, it's just nearly separate from God. This is just something physical that doesn't involve God, and that is not so at all. There are values, like for instance in the Reformation, the Christian Reformation, Martin Luther, who many of you are familiar with, preached total abstinence, celibacy in marriage, believing that if you had any sexual relationship with your mate at all, that you were defiled and that it would hinder you spiritually. Did you know that Calvin preached that? And I'm not sure if it was Calvin or one of these others, but some of those men actually castrated themselves so that it was impossible to have sexual relationships. And these are the founding fathers of the Christian Reformation that you and I are a product of. That attitude was prevalent. Did you know at the early part of the 1900s, have you ever heard of a man named Kellogg's? Kellogg's cereal? Kellogg's developed cornflakes. It was originally called Elijah's food. And it was uh, a special formula that he believed God had given him to curb the sex drive so that you would not have to have sexual relationship, believing that abstinence from sex was the key to longevity. So Kellogg's cornflakes originated as a food to curb the sex drive and produce long life. Have you ever heard of Graham crackers? Graham was the counterpart to Kellogg, and Graham developed Graham crackers to curb your sex drive so that you would not desire it and you'd be able to live a long life. So if you're having problems, ladies, with your husband being too strong, feed them Graham crackers or Kellogg's cornflakes, amen? I always thought it was Wheaties. <laughs> But that was at the first part of this century. What I'm saying is that was an attitude that was so prevalent. There were entire teachings out. There were people with doctor's degrees teaching this. And so there's no wonder that our attitudes are the way they are. People have looked at it that it's nearly uh, ungodly to talk about it. And yet sexual relationship, the physical relationship, is something that God created for sinless people to enjoy. People that had no sin, no depraved things, no lust that was driving them, no carnal things. It is a holy and a pure thing. Now, there's a tremendous amount of problems in this area because many of you, just like Rich and Tina have shared their testimony, many of you got born again after you've already had terrible relationships in this area. Multiple marriages are uh, um, fornication, adultery type things. One of the questions on uh, one of these questionnaires that somebody turned in, it says, is it really possible that somebody is married without having had sex with uh, their mate or somebody else before they get married? Yes, it's possible. Amen. My wife and I were pure. Uh, we were engaged to be married before we ever held hands. God put us together and we were engaged. There was no physical relationship whatsoever. 
And uh, it's a long, long story. I wish we had time to give our testimony. Boy, it would, would it ever provide a contrast? <laughs> but let me share real quick. Even though I didn't go through some of the things other people did, I was brought up in religion. And I was told a very strict standard. And every time that the sexual relationship was spoken of, they always spoke of the negative sexual relationship, abuses, uh, perverting of it. And so, without them saying it, they taught me that sex basically was something that was bad. And my dad died before he had a time to tell me about the uh, sexual facts of life. I didn't learn it. So I learned it in a football locker room in, in junior high and high school. That's where I learned all of my details, listening to the guys talk about the girl that they uh, had sex with over the weekend. And that's where I learned all of my information about it. So every bit of the input that I had on sex was negative. If you would be honest, I'd say every bit of the input you've learned was probably negative. Very few parents really teach their children in a godly system. If you'll look in our little thing here, can I have your copy of thing right here? We've got some statistics written down where people receive their information on sex. One percent of all children learn about sex from their church. Three percent learn from their fathers. Seven percent learn from school. 12% learn from their mothers, 28% learn from a secular media, and 49% learn from friends. Those are statistics on it. You can just put yourself in there and see where you are, and I guarantee you most of us didn't learn in a proper way. Because I had a negative impression about it, everything I'd ever heard was something that violated my convictions of God, you know, and all of these kind of things. Jamie and I were engaged to be married, like we said, and it was God that put us together. There was no sexual, physical attraction whatsoever. And yet, uh, as I, we got closer to getting married, I honestly had a very negative feeling about the whole thing, so much so that I was saying, God, you know, I love Jamie, and I want to marry her, and I know that this is your will. But boy, the sexual relationship was a problem to me. It was not something I was looking forward to. I wasn't excited about it or anything, because everything I ever knew about it was negative. And so one day driving down the Dallas-Fort Worth Turnpike, I was praying and saying, God, something's wrong because I know that this is, this is a part of marriage and yet I don't enjoy I don't have a desire for it. Everything I'd ever had was negative. I spent all my single life putting and suppressing feelings, not cultivating them. And as I was driving down the road, I was praying and saying, God, what's wrong? And the Lord had me go back and remember, where did I get my training from? Showed me the negative way that I was taught and showed me that it was Satan that impressed those attitudes in me. And I, driving down the road 70 miles an hour, got delivered of demonic problems. A guy that had never said a cuss word in his life, never taken a drink of liver, liquor, liver, either one. <laughs> I'd never smoked a cigarette, and yet I got delivered of demons that I had in the sexual realm. I got delivered of them. And I mean, I got a desire for Jamie. So much so, I had to use wisdom before we got married to keep from getting in trouble. I mean, God set me free in that area. So uh, we believe that it is vital to approach this from a godly standpoint and to reinforce that, look, this is something holy. It is something God established. And it's something that you uh, need to develop in and get a wholesome attitude or it'll hinder, it'll uh, stunt the growth of your marriage. It really will. Now, I know that all of us have some things that we specifically want to share. Anybody? You're elected, Jamie. Everybody's been wanting to hear from Jamie throughout this whole thing. Thank you. <laughs> well, here goes. 
No, what the Lord has really impressed me with in the last few months was um, starting in the Garden of Eden. If you'll read Genesis chapter 1 2. And the way that the Lord established the man and woman, and like Andrew's already said, that the sexual relationship was placed in the Garden of Eden between the man and woman before the fall of man. So it was instituted by God. God is the one that put it in order. Also, it's very important at this point to say that you don't get married just to have children. I know that uh, there are some churches that teach that, and that the only time that you ought to have sex is just t completely for a procreation. But the whole Bible is uh, the way one person that I read about them said is a prosexual book. God made it for man and woman to have an intimate relationship, and he made them that way. He said that when he brought Eve to Adam, that they were to leave father and mother and cleave to each other, and they would become one flesh. And he told Adam, and, or Adam is the one that voiced that. And so that relationship, that intimate relationship, was established in the Garden of Eden. Then the two commands came that you are to uh, multiply and replenish the earth and have dominion over the earth. Those were two commands that they were to obey. But he, God is the one that established and made the relationship between the man and woman. And it said that they were naked and they were not ashamed. In the garden, and I'm going to try to go fast and make this simple, in the garden, God's fellowship with man was not broken in any way. He walked in the cool of the evening and talked with Adam. And he, there was a fellowship between God and man. And they had an open relationship. And the same thing with man and woman. They were naked and not ashamed of it. They were open with each other. They knew each other as they knew God. And it was a, a three-way thing. And all it, the fellowship was just open and complete. And then sin entered in. And what's the first thing that the man and woman did? They were ashamed of their nakedness and they tried to cover it. It showed a broken fellowship. It showed a broken relationship, and they tried to cover their nakedness because they were ashamed. They were no longer open with each other. And the same thing happened with God because they went and hid from God. And that sin broke the fellowship with God. And we've all heard this in the salvation message, that our fellowship was broken with God because of sin. But this, that same, I'm here to tell you, the same fellowship between man and woman was broken too. They no longer had openness with each other. They no longer could be open with each other. They closed up and withdrew within themselves, and they were ashamed to be naked with each other. They were ashamed to be that open, and they closed and withdrew in themselves. But... And then as we see that the, the command that came was that the man would rule over the woman. And you can read through the Old Testament and that's exactly what happened. Uh, men began to marry more than one woman. So there was no relationship between one woman. That's not to say, let me put here, that there was no love because there were several. It says Isaac loved Rebecca, Jacob loved Rachel. So there was love, but there were multiple marriages. Women were used, women were bought, were sold. Uh, Abraham, you know, to save his own neck, said, Sarah, tell him you're my sister. So women were used and uh, through the Old Testament, and it, it was a bad case. But then Christ came, and he redeemed us. One of the reasons that Jesus Christ came and died was to restore the fellowship between God and man again. Isn't that right? I think all of us know that. He died to reconcile us unto God. Well, when he died to reconcile us unto God, the relationship between man and woman is restored also. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Very familiar scriptures, but we seem to miss it. 
Man and woman's relationship was restored just like our relationship with God. It takes renewing of our mind to realize how God loves us and how God reconciled us to himself. So therefore, we have to renew our mind. The same way must we renew our mind with our relationship with our mate. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting verse 1, it says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Now look what Christ has done. In the Old Testament, women were used. They had no rights. They were used, and they were ruled over by man. But in verse 3, we see, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. Now Christ has given the wife uh, rights also, and that she has say-so. She can have pleasure in this relationship, whereas the man's the only one that used to get pleasure from the relationship. Also, Christ redeemed the woman to the, the point that in verse 2 it says, Let every man have his own wife, one wife, and let every woman have her own husband, one husband. And so that he ruled out right there, he freed us women, that our husbands don't go marry, you know, two, three, four, five, six. Paul's saying here that you, it's a relationship that Christ has restored again. And he said that you're to render, do benevolence. Benevolence means a kindly act. The, the wife to the husband, the husband to the wife. It goes on to say in verse 4, The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. But likewise, now likewise, the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Now it's, it's 100% and 100%. They're to give each other to each other, just the husband and wife. She's free. Defraud ye not one the other. Husband, you aren't to defraud your wife. Wife, you aren't to defraud your husband, except to be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So Christ has freed us now that the woman is no longer to be ruled over. There's a difference in ruling over and submission. Submission isn't something that's done to you. It's something done by you. And it's a relationship now that Christ wants, desires. He has restored the relationship between a husband and his wife. But just like everything else in the Word, we know that we're the righteousness of, of God in Christ Jesus. We know these things, but we need to begin to renew our mind to walk in these things and to receive them. And just as that relationship was there in the beginning, it has been reconciled through Jesus Christ. And we need to stand on the Word and we need to do these things and realize that we can have that open relationship with our mate now as was in the beginning. So to sum that up, through Jesus we've been redeemed, our sexual relationship has been redeemed and exalted again, and there ought not to be inhibitions. We ought to be as free with each other as Adam and Eve were. We ought to be naked before each other without any embarrassment. And you'd be surprised. Marriage, the last marriage seminar, minister's marriage seminar that we had, one of the biggest problems there was that, uh, that uh, there was such inhibition that they had to have the lights totally off and under the covers before they'd expose themselves to their mate. That's not the way that God made it. That's not the way Adam and Eve started off. And if you've got inhibition, sexual inhibitions in your marriage, you have attitudes you've brought into that marriage which are not God's attitudes. They are hindering the oneness in the sexual relationship and they need to be dealt with and you need to get freedom in that area. There ought to be 100% freedom and liberty between a man and his wife in the sexual realm. 
um, just to add to that, you know, people have so many amazing experiences and things that happen to them sexually growing up um, that, that come into the, the Christian marriage relationship and then they find out that they cannot enjoy their relationship because of improper input. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen? And so if you have had sexual things happen to you as children, say uh, incest or um, homosexuality, lesbian experiences, uh, child abuse in um, uh, sexual, uh, sexual child abuse, things like that, or fornication, willful fornication outside of the marriage, um, anything that, that has tainted the view that God says that we should have about sex, then whatever in your heart is going to affect your present marriage. Amen? And lots of people find out if they have had previous, if they have had a sexual relationship with their spouse previous to marriage, they find out that the day that they get married and when they're supposed to come to, together and enjoy each other, they have no desire for each other anymore. I hear a lot of women say this. I don't know how much it happens with the men. And I think many times we need to repent of the use that we had for sex. Many times we as women used sex to keep these, these fiancés, these husbands, whatever. We had an improper use of sex. And if you start out wrong, you're going to end up wrong. If you are having problems uh, in your current relation, in, in your Christian marriage, I would encourage you to let Jesus, who is our psychiatrist, um, show you, take you back and give you understanding of what the problem is. You know, I had to do that so much in my life because of all of the experiences, wrong sexual experiences that I had had outside of marriage. Also, I had opened up the door to seeing X-rated movies and lots of pornography and, and uh, just a lot of things that were so demonic. And, you know, you cannot open yourself up to those things and then come into your Christian marriage and just think those things are automatically going to go away. No, they won't. You need to repent of the door that you opened up to allow that demonic thing, those demonic things to come to you and allow the Lord to set you free. Uh, many people get into all kinds of things that they brought into the marriage. Um, Lots of, and I think we'll talk more about this when we break down into two uh, husbands and wives, but uh, sexual abuse that occurs in the marriage and a lot of, uh, you know, things that you, you, you know, that are um, painful and uh, dressing up in one another's clothing and things like that that are, that, that have been brought into the marriage because of wrong teaching, wrong input. And, you know, Jesus knows everything that we're thinking, dear brothers and sisters. We're not going to hide these thoughts that we have from Jesus. You know, when I came to know the Lord and I had all these wrong sexual teachings and thoughts and these visions, I thought, you know, from all the X-rated movies I saw, these things would flash to me and I'd say, Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry to even be thinking about that and seeing that. And it, it took me a long time to renew my mind to get that stuff out of my mind because I had put so much into it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you have opened up the door, whether you feel like it was willful or 
not on your part. Jesus is going to set you free. He does not want you to have uh, improper sexual relationship in your marriage and bad feelings about yourself. Lots of people say, well, I was a victim. I was abused. And even though you might have been a victim as a child, though you need to get with the Lord and allow the Lord to show you what your thinking is now. You know, um, in the se sexual relationship, there are the emotions and the physical being is stimulated and does have satisfaction. And when that happens to small children who are uh, sexually abused, what that says to them, they know that it's wrong, but because their bodies like many times what's happening, they get very, very confused and feel very guilty and say, I shouldn't like this. Recently, I've um, uh, gotten to know a, a young lady who, uh, her father and, and this young lady, he, they had an incestuous relationship for 10 years. And even though she hated it very much, because she wanted the attention from her father, she began to enjoy it, yet the whole time having these terrible guilt feelings, you can imagine how torn she would be. And after she was willing to admit it and talk to someone about it, she's beginning to let the Lord give her the full understanding, the things where she did have a choice. And see, brothers and sisters, that's where we, the responsibility where we do have a choice in certain areas, and you may think, well, I didn't have any choice in what happened to me. Ask the Lord to give you full understanding of it. He knows everything that's ever happened to us, and we shouldn't be ashamed to talk to Him. You know, when these things would come to me, I would think, oh my gosh, what would the Lord think? Well, He's not going to fall off His throne just because Tina has bad sexual thoughts. He understands all these things, but I thought He would. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that lightly, but we can laugh about these things. It's not this heavy thing. Jesus is going to set us free. It's good news. Do you know what I'm saying, though? I was pl playing like oh God, I can't let God know that I think these things. He was the very one that I needed to run to and say, Lord, I think all these things. What's wrong with me? Help me get rid of these. I want to have pure thoughts about sex. So I encourage you, the, the things with masturbation too and thinking about um, uh, demonic things. Masturbation, masturbation separates you from your spouse. And so that's not, the Lord doesn't want that for you. And so many people that talk to me and tell me about the things that they've gone through, they have the, the um, very demonic sexual thoughts with the acts of masturbation and all that. It's demonic junk that's trying to come against you and steal the joy and the truth and the good things about sex from you. And, you know, as I said to a person one time, I was ministering to them, and I said, have you ever done anything that you've never told anybody about and you were, you, you're just ashamed to talk about it. And uh, I see a lot of women get set through with the, free with the abortion issue with this thing where they've been so ashamed to tell anybody. Brothers and sisters, if there are things in your life that you've experienced or that you have done that you are so ashamed of that you've never told anybody about but God, then you're still not free if you're ashamed to tell anybody else because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. There should be no guilt. Yes, repent, you know, you don't like what, I don't like what I've done, but I'm not guilty anymore because the blood of Jesus has made me into a new person. And so I just encourage you with these sexual things, and you don't just pick anybody to talk to, but a mature, spiritual Christian. Sometimes you need to sit down and say, I need to confess this fault and, and get your agreement in prayer. It's a wonderful thing to be able to talk to your husband or your wife about things, but you need wisdom in all things. 
Um, so I just encourage you, on these areas that people are afraid to think about, afraid to talk about, homosexuality, lesbian experiences, masturbation, child abuse, all the things that the devil has come in and twisted and tried to make ugly what Jesus Christ made as beautiful, you need to get set free. Don't put up with that stuff. Jesus doesn't want that for you, and it's, it's not right for your relationship. And he will give you the wisdom if you will be honest enough to just get before him and say, Lord, I'm not going to keep pushing these feelings away. You know, so many times it's the Holy Spirit who's trying to get us to look at something and admit it and say, yes, I am having these awful feelings. And I, this isn't right. I don't want to have these. Why, Lord? And just like what Andy shared, I thought that was so neat. The Lord brought him back to his original input of how he learned about sex. This will give you wisdom for your kids, too. Amen? But not one of us should be bound up or have inhibitions. Jesus wants us free. Did you want to share? You know, all of what we've shared up to this point here on, on sex, you can see how the things that we shared about uh, self-centeredness, uh, self-seeking, selfishness, uh, can apply here. Because, again, going back to how most of us learned about sex, uh, uh, let's say frequently it was a, f a motivation of fear that our parents would share or someone else would share. Now, don't you do this because? So we, we had that. When Andrew talked about fear can be a motivator. And of course the other big thing that we latch on to is our self-centeredness. When we start voluntarily doing uh, uh, perverting sex that, that God has made so good. And so that spirit of lust is, is a spirit of, of, of self, self-centeredness. And uh, and therefore, like we were saying, we need to repent of that, confess and repent of that, and then let the Word of God replace that wrong teaching, the self-centered, prideful, fearful teaching, with the, the humble, submitted teaching, the unconditional love teaching, you see? And the Word of God then will renew our minds so that sex, we don't have to make it, force ourselves, because God made it to be positive. Sex isn't neutral. Sex was meant to be positive. God made it for a positive part of the relationship. And it, the sad thing to say is for most of us, it's not only positive, it's not even neutral, it's, it's negative. Especially in our relationships before uh, we got married, if, if in fact we did participate in perverted sex. Uh, you know, everything God has made, Satan has perverted in one way or another. So we get rid of the old and then put in the new. And uh, one more thing that I want to share along these lines is that uh, we, we, we've probably all heard the, the teaching on love that breaks down love and the, the four types of love in the New Testament. Uh, the agape love, the highest love, the unconditional love. And then they talk about uh, a filial love, which is a, a, a friendship love that you might have like between the same sexes. And, and uh, love toward a child, storge, I think is the word. And then eros, physical love. And, and that's good. And there, and, and, and there are those t different types of love. But... I find uh, that what, what even in my marriage that I can be self-centered and prideful and my tendency is to think about agape love uh, everywhere else but then when it's time to go in the bedroom for eros, for sex, for some reason I want to hang my agape attitudes up outside the door and go in and do eros without agape. We see the agape must be a part of everything that we do, especially sex. That's one of the things how we teach our children the positiveness of sex. Tell them that sex is not wrong, but it's meant to be in the marriage between a man and a woman. 
there's a proper time for it. That's the positive way of teaching it, you see. But, uh, and I, you know, and I find myself still having to really submit because the, what we've been teaching about submission, humility, applies everywhere in the marriage, also the bedroom. And I can tell you this from the man's point of view, the, you know, the women's needs are a little different. We'll get into this a little further. But I know this, although I haven't, I don't practice it, that unless I love my wife in the kitchen, I can't love her in the bedroom. <laughs> and that can be a funny joke too, but, 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 but <laughs> you see. Go <laughs> And not only that agape love, you know, that filial love. You know, one of the things that Tina and I have just really been developing the last couple years is being friends. How can I, you know, it, I really believe that in a way we can be unconditional, but not fully be friends, in a sense. Uh, and if, if we aren't friends with our wives, husbands, and if, I really think this is a problem with the husbands, we can't expect them to just run in the bedroom with us. We, our, friend, our love must be unconditional and we must be friends. We must talk about things. We must share things. And we certainly you know, can't have a big argument and then uh, a half hour later, if we haven't resolved that, say, okay, let's go make love. We, we can't drop the agape or the filio, the friendship, uh, and when, when, we, when we're doing the eros. And just a, f a few comments, brief comments too. Obviously, sex is meant to be in the marriage between a man and wife. You know, I remember someone teaching that uh, in the garden it was not Adam and Steve, it was Adam and Eve. <laughs> See, obviously, you know, uh, it, it's not meant to be uh, between the same sex. And there are, the, the scriptures are, I think, are very clear about what you're not to do. Fornication, adultery, incest, uh, bestiality, uh, all, you know, very clear on those things. Now, on the other hand, I believe the scripture leaves some leeway as to what the married couple wants to do. I don't think it's real specific on certain things. They're not as clear as we would like them to be. We do know this principle from agape love that it must be agreeable between the, the, the man and the wife. If it's not, it's wrong regardless of what the Bible would say about it for you about one person. In other words, if I want to do something and I found it and the Bible says, see, it's okay, but it's not good for Tina, that's not agape love. That's not agape. So whatever we, in, in the freedom that we have through, uh, through the scriptures, in our sharing our physical love with each other, whatever it is, it has to be agreeable and giving to each other. That's an, another way to, 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 to look at it. If I'm not giving, if I don't have the motive of, of giving, and yes, it's pleasure, but all love is designed to give pleasure. God wills to do his good pleasure in us. So uh, if it's not giving, if I don't have the right motive, it's wrong, regardless of, of how I might try to defend it. I just want to just say very quickly, for those of you who may have had very uh, wrong sexual things happen in your life and you are very ashamed of it, I just wanted to just say again, there is not a sin that Jesus Christ has not died for. You know, don't, you know, don't hide 
these things with you from yourself. God knows all about what we've done anyway. And we just need to go to him and say, well, Lord, I'm tired of pushing these feelings away. Deal with these things. There's not one thing that you've done that Jesus hasn't died for. And, and uh, you know, sin is sin. Okay? I just felt really led to share that, that someone might be thinking, my sin is too great. No, your sin is not too great. The blood of Jesus Christ has purchased your freedom. So choose to receive that. Amen? All right, when you go to talking about sexual relationship and marriage, first thing you got to start with is that there's a difference between men and women, right? Everybody follow that. <laughs> is that so? <laughs> All right, everybody recognizes there are some physical differences. There are some other things that not everybody does recognize, and you need to do this to make marriage and the sexual relationship work. And this can be verified by the questionnaires that we've filled out. We've looked at them. The men, uh, invariably, every time we've ever done this, rate their sexual relationship higher than the women. Every time. Because a man takes less to get stimulated, less to get excited, and less to receive an orgasm or a climax in the sexual relationship. A woman is a totally different person. The sexual relationship is not just physical. It goes into the emotional part, and I guarantee you, if you ever criticize your mate, if there's ever any innuendos made about their ability to minister to you or anything else, you can cut to the very heart of a person in a way that they'll never recover from that, ever. So it's more than just a physical relationship. That's what separates us from, from animals out here who have sex and produce, is because we are involved, spirit, soul, and body, when you're having uh, sexual relationship. If yours is only physical, then you're doing nothing different than a beast out here would do. And sad to say, there's some people, I'm not saying that to be critical, I'm just running short of time, as fast as I can talk, amen. I'm blunt. That many of us, because of bad teaching and training, have acted like animals in our sexual relationship and then wonder why we aren't getting fulfillment and why our mate isn't being ministered to and why they begin to get frigid and turned off and not able to respond. Most of the time we caused it. A man gets excited very easily, and that's a physiological fact. Doctor over here can verify that. Anybody here could verify that. A man can get aroused very easily. Women, basically, really are not aware of this. And that's the reason that a woman sometimes, through her dress, uh, you can get a man excited. And uh, Now, there's excesses to this. Some men have just given themselves the whole hog to it, and I mean, they've... They've gone overboard, but any person, even a person who has not cultivated a lust or anything like that, can be aroused by simply looking at a woman. The way you dress and the way you conduct yourself can arouse a man. Women basically, again there's exceptions, but basically women are not like that. And so sometimes a woman doesn't understand, and therefore a woman will exhibit herself in a way that is not becoming at all and is a hindrance to people that ought to be dealt with. But the point that I'm making is, a man is so easily excited, he does not have to be romanced. He doesn't have to start in the kitchen, man. He's ready, you know, whenever, however, hey, all of the time. So, uh, man, a lack of understanding the difference in your wife is what has caused many, many problems. And I'm just saying this, we haven't had time to look through every one of the questionnaires. We took 30 of them and based our conclusions on because we just didn't have time to go through all of them. But out of the ones we saw and out of the typical things, if this is a typical group, well over 50% of the wives in here have a very negative reaction to the sexual relationship. Probably 50% of the wives feel used and abused. And I'm talking about Christian couples right here. 
Man, I, the, the questionnaires that we saw, many of your wives do not enjoy sex the way that you do because you don't minister to them. You use sex as a way of ministering to yourself. We need to bring back in, like Rich was saying, these principles of agape love, unconditional love. Are you self-seeking in your sexual relationship? Do you go in there to get yourself ministered to? Well, that's part of it, but that should not be the thrust. That is not the priority. It is actually an opportunity to show love and affection to your mate in the highest way possible. It's a way of ministering unto them and fulfilling them. Now, a man that doesn't recognize the need of a wife to be romanced is not going to minister to her. You know, if it wasn't for women, man, we would have our houses probably without any little knickknacks on the walls, no pictures, there wouldn't be any of these little dainties, there wouldn't be anything that really we enjoy and that make a house a home. Women are different. They, they pay attention to details. Women like to be wooed. Did you know you understood this to some degree, but when you were courting? <laughs> I hope you did not. <laughs> Go pick your wife up on a corner and ten minutes later was in bed with her. That's not the way it works. You, you woo a person. You love them. You court them. Women enjoy that. Women enjoy things like that. You know, I personally don't care if anybody ever remembers my birthday. If I ever got a Christmas present, those things aren't important to me. I don't need those kind of things. Uh, but did you know my wife enjoys those kind of things? She enjoys the attention. A man basically will say, I told you I love you when I proposed to you 30 years ago. What's the matter? Don't you believe I love you? That's the way a man is. I told you. Are you doubting my word? But a woman, she wants to be told every day that you love her. That's just the way women are. And you women in here could verify. You ought to say amen. Yeah. So men need to recognize the difference. And I'm going to say some things very blunt, but honest, I'm trying to hurry. We, we got so much we could share. Men, many times, now it may not be said in these exact terms, but this same type of emotion comes across. A man is so concerned about getting his sexual enjoyment that he will go in, oh, quick draw, McGraw, hey man. <laughs> He'll go in, he will get his satisfaction and leave the woman totally without anything and the woman gets to feeling like a prostitute like she's used like that she is just uh, something to help that man and man I guarantee you there's a lot of you that you're upset with your wives why don't they want more sex why don't they enjoy this relationship how come this and how come that and if you were to follow it all the way back to the source you'd find out that you have instilled much of that in her because you have not loved nourished and cherished your wife you've not romanced her you've not used it as something to minister to your wife it's been something for you to get gratification and that is not a godly system at all there are things that you need to learn you need to learn that your wife needs to be loved correct a woman will respond a lot to words to sweet talk to her being very nice to her it takes a time a period of time a man is instantly ready to go a woman uh, medical facts would show that it's anywhere from 15 on up to an hour for some women before they're ready to climax and have the same sensation the same physical benefit out of a relationship that a man is now a man who is unwilling to abide by that and minister to his wife is self-centered self-seeking and eventually you're going to wind up hindering your own enjoyment because your wife won't be a participant she, she will get to where she doesn't want to enjoy that kind of thing. Amen? I know some of you aren't really excited about this, but I tell you, this needs to be said. There's a lot of you men that in the area of your sexual relationship do not love your wife at all. You are loving yourselves. 
satisfying yourself. And as Jamie said, sex is not to reproduce only. Sex was for pleasure, and not only our pleasure, but it's the greatest way you possibly have of showing your love and affection for another person. It is the highest way. Let me qualify that with your mate. Amen. It is the highest way of ministering to your mate. And if you aren't ministering to them and considering their needs, then eventually you're going to hurt yourself, but you will really damage your wife. And from some of the questionnaires, these things are happening in this body of believers because many of you haven't applied the agape type of love to the bedroom. You apply it to all other things, but I guarantee it applies right here, that self-centeredness. And a man that says, well, I just can't control myself. Man, I get excited and I, um, I have my climax. It's over with. You can control that. Medical science, there are ways that you can do that. And the main thing is if you will get out of the selfish type of love and really get concerned about the other person, you can control yourself and you can get to where you minister to your mate the way that God said that you should. So that is one of the big benefits that we need to say right up front that uh, we have not been loving each other properly. Oh man, I got so much. Any of y'all got anything to add to this? Um, I guess we'll go ahead and break up into groups. Boy, there's so much more to be shared. We don't usually tape uh, the group discussions or excuse me, the sections where we break up into husband and wife. And we don't tape that because if somebody wants to ask a question or to say something and they don't want it on tape, uh, we do it for that benefit. So we really don't have this form of teaching the question and answer sessions on tape. I'm sorry, but there are tapes available. Can you give some of that information? We got a book over here that Jamie's been reading the last uh, couple of months. What's the title of it? Intended for Pleasure. It's by Dr. Ed Wheat, and uh, it's an excellent book. We can't endorse everything, but there's many things in there, and we've got the book. He's got three tapes on the subject, and there's many others. We could recommend quite a few, and we'd be glad to talk to you about that. I know that one of the questions that usually comes up is about contraceptives. Uh, a woman many times, see, has fears that a man doesn't. Man, you need to understand that. A woman doesn't want to spend the rest of her life pregnant. And uh, so therefore they will get hesitant about entering into sex, whereas the man doesn't usually think of that. Man, you ought to deal with that. That ought to be a mutual decision of the husband and wife. You need to make some decisions on that, and we'll be glad to answer questions about that as we break into groups. And um, we'll deal with what's permissible. This is a constant question that people have had. Uh, we've already given a general definition. That is one thing. It's got to be mutually agreeable. But I think we can even go beyond that and break it down. We'll deal with that in individual sessions and, um, boy, a lot of other things, hopefully. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.